Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. big if. It's a big if. What's the big if today? You got a big if? If this, then that? You know, if is one of those three little words that make a big impact. I don't know. There's probably more than three, but the three little words that came to mind were if, uh, and, and but. Uh, And as soon as I say that, then there's probably a ton of other little words that make a big difference. But today I want to focus on if. If is a small word with a big impact. I am Carmen LaBerge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. What's your big if today? If implies something is conditional. If this, then that. And if not this, then not that. And if not that, then, well, something else. If matters. So you got a big if today? You got a big uh, if this, then that, or if, if this, then not that? So the word if, little word, It appears more than 1,600 times in the Bible, 1,637 if you're one of those people who count such things. And if you were to look at the Old Testament, you would find 993 times that the word if appears. Now, to be fair, you you know me, I am absolutely uh, relying on um, someone else's counting there. I have not, I will confess, gone through and counted the number of times that the little word if appears in the Old Testament. But according to those who have counted, it's 993 times. Uh, leaving, by my math, 602 times that the word if appears in the New Testament. I have also not counted all of those. And uh, the counters of such things tell me that 574 of the 602 times that the word if appears in the New Testament, it appears in the Gospels. Jesus was a big if guy. Jesus was a big if guy. If, 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 if. Lots of if. Now, that's not to say that Jesus was iffy. In fact, Jesus is certainly not iffy. And Jesus does not want you to think that God the Father is iffy. There is, in fact, no iffiness at all with God. But if is a little word used a fair number of times, not only in the Gospels, but by Jesus himself. So, Uh, Just think for a moment about the ifs that you know of in the Bible. Just, you know, for a moment, what comes to mind when I say Bible verses that start with the word if. I will confess the first one that leapt to my mind was 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. That's one of the Bible's big ifs. Uh, Job thirty four sixteen. when I asked a friend yesterday, what's an if that comes to mind when you think about the ifs of the Bible, the if statements of the Bible? And because she had been studying the book of Job, this one came to mind. If you have understanding, hear this and listen to what I say. If, if you have understanding. 
Deuteronomy uh, has a lot of ifs in it, lots of them. One, two, three, four, five places in Deuteronomy, there is this if statement. Well, God is setting before his people blessing and curse. Uh, and, And then it goes like this. You receive the blessing if you listen to the commands of the Lord your God, which I am commanding you today. And I am setting before you the curse if you do not listen to the commands of the Lord your God. If you do not turn aside from the way Um, which I am commanding you today, but follow other gods. So there's, there's ifs, if this blessing, if this curse. First Samuel chapter 12 includes this big Bible. If, if you will fear the Lord and serve him, if you will listen to his voice, if you not rebel against the command of the Lord, then both you and And the king who reigns over you will follow the Lord. If you will not listen to the voice of the Lord, if instead you rebel against the command of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord is going to be against you. Malachi 2.2, if you do not listen, if you do not take to heart, if you do not give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send a curse upon you. I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I have cursed them already because you are not taking it to heart. Some big ifs in the Old Testament. Big ifs. So what about the New Testament? What are some of the uh, big ifs of the Bible in the New Testament? Well, um, Jesus says in Luke chapter 16, you know, look, if they didn't listen, if they didn't listen to Moses, if they didn't listen to the prophets, they're not going to be persuaded, even if they see someone rises from the dead. Jesus says in Luke 17, if only, if only you had faith like a mustard seed. If. There's lots of um, verses that include the word if in 1 John. I encourage you actually to like read 1 John as an exercise, as an if exercise today. Kind of an interesting book to walk through and read the ifs. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie. The truth is not in us. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. In the blood of Jesus, God's son cleanses us from all sin. It's a whole lot like uh, um, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 Peter 4:17 Ah uh, It's a time for judgment to begin with the household of God and if it begins with us first if it begins with us first which Peter's already told us it will um what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God Jesus says to his disciples in Matthew 16 if anyone wishes to come after me if anyone wishes to come after me he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. John fourteen twenty three. Jesus says, If anyone loves me, he'll keep my word, and my Father will love him. We will come to him and make our abode with him. Again, in John 15, If you abide in me, if, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Revelation three twenty. I stand at the door and knock, Jesus says, if 
if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in. Uh, I'll come in to him and dine with him and he with me. If. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge and have all faith so as to remove mountains, but don't have love, I am nothing. First Corinthians 13, 2. Mark 4.23 is repeated in Revelation 13.9. I found this curious as I was looking at these if passages. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. All of this is a part of my exercise in exploring today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day from Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. If, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. That may be, my friend, the biggest if the Bible has to offer. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. That's a big if. That's a big if in the culture today. Are you saying out loud, Jesus is Lord? Like, Jesus is the Lord, and Jesus is my Lord. Are you declaring the truth of the gospel publicly with your mouth, actually flapping your jaw, actually pushing air across your vocal cords? Are you openly declaring that Jesus is Lord? And do you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? That is a huge if. That's a deep heart question if. Um, God judges the heart. It's not, you know, the words that pass uh, across our lips nearly as much as it is um, what's in our hearts. I mean, Jesus actually says, everyone who says, Lord, Lord, is not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Many people will say, Lord, Lord. Um, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name? Did I not in your name drive out demons? Did I not in your name perform miracles? Like, did I not confess with my mouth that you were Lord? And Jesus says, yeah, you did, but I'm going to tell you plainly, I never knew you. Like deep down in your heart, you, you, weren't, you weren't with me. Anyone can say the words, right? But not everyone who says the words that believe, believes that God really accomplished in Jesus the forgiveness of sins. Do you? That is a big if. You and I can both play, pay lip service to God without actually enthroning Jesus as the Lord of our life. It's a big if of the Bible, maybe the most significant if. So God is judging us by word and deed, the mind and the heart, lip service and sacrificial life service. No, we're not saved by our deeds, but the evidence of a transformed life does matter. The evidence of a transformed life, of a life where Jesus is enthroned as Lord and where we're not just paying him lip service, is transformed living. The world knows us by our fruits, and so does God. So, do you believe Jesus is Lord? <laughs> Even the demons believe that. Confess today with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, <laughs> but believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. It's a big if of the Bible. Don't be iffy on it. Next up, we're going to talk with our friend Billy Hollowell and catch up on some things going on at faithwire.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Our friend Billy Hollowell is back. You can find everything we're talking about today and a whole lot more at faithwire.com. Good morning, Billy. Good morning. Happy to be here. 
Yeah, it's wonderful to have you. So you had an opportunity to have a conversation with a UK-based Christian leader who was born and raised in Iran and now ministers um, in uh, in the country. Could you talk with us a little bit about the conversation that you had? Yeah, you know, th- it's so interesting. This is an organization that's worth looking up. The organization's called Transform Iran, and it's Lazarus Yegnazar. He's the founder of the organization. And as you were saying, he actually grew up in Iran. And, you know, right now, all eyes are on the Middle East, obviously, because of everything that's going on. And so we had a chance to sit down and talk through some of what he sort of fears in the region and thinks might be happening. But he raised a question that I hadn't really thought of. I guess maybe it's crossed my mind a little bit, but you know, all of these different groups like Hamas, the Taliban, Hezbollah, ISIS, you know, they they all have different, slightly different goals and iterations, but what if they were to all join forces? What would that look like, right? Um, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, you know, that whole that whole thought process. And so um when I when I probed him on that, because we were having this conversation for CBN, um, he said, look, some of this is already happening and I can't get into it. He said, but but some of some of these partnerships are already unfolding. Uh, and he said, you know, if you if you were to see that happen, you would see a conflict that was catastrophic and would engulf the entire region. And I thought, gosh, that is, you know, we're not I'm not saying that is happening, but this is somebody who knows the Middle East well, who came out of that country and he's issuing that warning. It makes you think. Yeah, I thought this was a particularly um, poignant quote um, describes this movement or these multiple movements um, as a plague not only destined to obliterate Israel, um, but will not stop until they subjugate all of us. Um, he He's really, he has an insider view here of what has been, um, what he describes as fermenting uh, under, you know, under the surface for a long time. When I think about fermentation, I do think about that which is eventually uncorked and explodes. Was that your sense of, of how he's yeah. thinking about things? Yeah. Yeah, you know, it was. And, and it was interesting, too. And I think this is something, you know, a lot of times we hear news stories and we sort of enter into what's happening right now. And we know that Iran has been, you know, a problem country, a problem government. But we also know that that problem government, you know, you don't want to always clump all the people in with the government because we know the church is exploding in Iran right now, that Christians, even though they're not allowed to be Christians openly, um, that we're seeing the church grow. And that's something he also talked about. He ministers, he finds ways to work with the church in Iran, his former country. Um, he lives in the UK now, uh, but he finds ways to to sort of help the church. But the history of understanding, you know, before the, the revolution there, um, the Iranian revolution in the late 1970s, that yes, things weren't perfect, but before Ayatollah Khomeini came to power, you were able, he talked about the fact, like, if you were a Muslim, you could go to a mosque. If you were a Christian, you could go to your church, that there was a lot more freedom. Again, wasn't mm-hmm, perfect, mm-hmm. but that things obviously, so for those who don't know, Iran was really a place that once had a lot more promise, right, than what we currently see right now. And I think that plays into that bitterness for the past 43 years that he talked about. Um, He also said, and this was a quote that stuck out to me, you know, you're you're a hairline crack away from the whole region burning into an inferno. And that is very true. If you look at what is happening right now, you've got Hezbollah, you have all these other countries that are ready to pounce on Israel, right? Uh, and so it is It is a very concerning time, I think, for the world, but also as Christians, for us to really be looking and trying to discern spiritually what might be going on as well. Yeah, no, I think that's really essential. And 
You know, there's there's sort of the bumper sticker version of all of this, the people who imagine that everyone is going to peacefully coexist. Um, and you see, you know, on the bumper sticker, like all of the symbols of all of the various religions and even non-religions of the world, right? Like that coexist image. Uh, that is actually not what um, Yagnazar says is is operating in, in at least this type of Islamic theology. He says there is no peaceful coexistence. And I think the West has to begin to understand that. I, yeah, that's I, we don't understand that. Or at least there are a fair number of people who don't understand that this type of Islamic theology um is not interested in a, quote, two-state solution. They're not actually interested in anything other than a worldwide caliphate. Right. If if your starting point is Israel needs to be wiped off the map, then nobody is going to be sitting down and having a negotiation. It's not about, as you just said, yes, are there people in, in Palestine who want a two-state solution? Absolutely. But the people running Palestine, they, they do not want, at least Hamas, the portion of Palestine that Hamas is running, does not want a two-state solution. They want Israel dead and gone. Iran wants Israel dead and gone. And I really do think that American leaders and Western leaders who keep thinking they're going to go to the negotiating table with terrorists and terrorist sympathizers, they really are not only misleading themselves and believing a lie, but they're really putting, there's a lot of danger here, right? When we don't understand what he's calling us to understand, which is that there are people who just want, they want to do evil, they want to kill. And, you know, this is the reality that we saw in America on 9-11, how quickly we forget, right? That this very ideology has also come come to our shores. And if we're not careful, we'll, we'll come again. Oh, okay. Well, let's make a pivot um, so that people don't think that you and I um, have just only bad news today. <laughs> the doom and gloom <laughs> report. Yeah. No, 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 no. This is the faith wire. Uh, and so That's let's right. talk about, you got some really, really wonderful good news stories posted right now. Um, I loved the one about uh, the Good Samaritan receiving praise from the police officers in Ocala, Florida. Um, who? What? What happened? What happened here? Uh, this is a great story. This is a great story. So Shane Shane Spicer is the guy's name. He was at Starbucks with his daughter, and he saw this guy running through the drive-through line. And he thought right away, "This does not seem normal. Like this is not looking right to me. Why is this guy running?" into the drive-thru line. And so he's sitting there with his daughter and he sees the guy. It turns out the, the guy running was, he was running away from the police. They were trying to get him because he had, he had allegedly stolen somebody's car, broken into their home. And so he crashed his car as the police were chasing him. He's running to Starbucks and he tries to carjack a woman at Starbucks, allegedly who, who was pregnant. This is a pregnant woman. He, and so Shane Spicer is watching this whole thing. He ends up getting out of his car, chasing the guy down. He ends up holding the guy until the police can catch up, um, ends up being a huge hero there and stopping what could have really been a dangerous situation. At the very least, this woman could have you know, lost her car and this guy could have gotten away and hurt somebody. Uh, so pretty cool just to see him stepping up and, uh, you know. Listening to him tell the story is kind of funny too, because he, he's in he's a military vet, right? So he's just like, look, I think that for him for for himself being a military vet, he's like, some things never really go away. I guess I just like to help, you know. That's what I've been trained to do, and so it's just a it's a cool story, and it makes you wonder what I would I do the same thing as Shane Spicer if I saw this unfolding. Yeah, am I? Do I have the instinct to simply jump in and help? So that is a really good question for us to ask. Hey, we're going to take a very brief pause. When we come back, we're going to talk about a historic moment 
with Billy Hollowell. Something happened in the New York City Marathon that you're going to want to know about. This is a great pro-life for all life and every stage of life story. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. If you're a new listener, we want to officially welcome you with a free welcome pack gift. Request yours today at MyFaithRadio.com. Continuing our conversation now with Billy Hollowell, you can find the stories that we're discussing and a whole lot more at faithwire.com. All right, Billy, the 33-year-old woman uh, who made history at the uh, New York City Marathon. Tell us this story. I I really love this story. Um, this woman is incredible. She Her name is Kaylee Williamson, and she has Down syndrome. And she is reportedly the first woman, one of the first women with the condition to complete the marathon. She's broken a bunch of other records because she loves to run in these marathons. Um, I think in Austin, Texas, she was the first person with Down syndrome to complete that marathon um, a while back. And so just a really emotional, I mean, keep in mind the New York City Marathon she ran for 10 hours in nine minutes. Okay. This woman, um, and again, she has down syndrome. And I think so many times in culture and in society, we've seen when people have down syndrome, they're sort of pushed to the side. They're disregarded. Uh, we know what, we know what the abortion rate looks like for, for down syndrome. It's really heartbreaking. And yet we're seeing these stories like this emerge where somebody like Kaylee is breaking bounds. I mean, look, I can't run the New York city marathon. I've never done that. I've never done it. And I have no urge to to do it. Like you have to qualify. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I can't even qualify to like run down the street. So, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, wow, this is incredible. And and you watch the video and I thought it was really cool. The New York City Marathon actually posted and we have this over at Faithwire, the video of her crossing the finish line. And she's so emotional. She's crying. She's obviously in pain after 10 hours, nine minutes of running. Um, But but her mom, Sandy, she said Kaylee didn't stop. She didn't didn't want to give up. And her mom ran alongside her. And then when she was interviewed, Kaylee said, I did a victory dance at the finish line. And you can just see how emotional it was for her and for everybody else who got to watch it. It was pretty cool. Yeah, it's just great. So you can read more about that story at faithwire.com as well. Okay, um, Antonio Banderas, this caught my attention. Uh, he plays the role of Herod in the uh, new nativity movie Journey to Bethlehem. And you have the story of sort of how that came how that came to be. Yeah, I had a chance to sit down with Rich Peluso. He's the executive vice president and the head of Affirm Films, and that's the faith arm of Sony. And so he told me that basically, you know, they put this musical together. It's out in theaters right now, Journey to Bethlehem. And it tells the the gospel story of Jesus' birth through music, with choreography and dance and all sorts of other things. But one of the names that stands out, obviously, as you just said, is Antonio Banderas playing um, Herod. And, you know, this, this is one of those things where I admire people and their hustle because they really wanted to get Antonio Banderas in this musical. They weren't sure how to get him in. They weren't hearing back. And so the producers went to Spain and apparently Antonio Banderas owns a theater in Spain. So they bought tickets to one of his shows. They somehow got backstage. I mean, you think about the tenacity of these producers <laughs> and they end up sitting down with him. They, they meet him backstage and they bring up the musical. That's the whole reason they went there. And long story short. He wanted to do it. He thought it was intriguing. He ends up diving into it. And according to Rich Peluso, um, he said that Antonio Banderas brought a lot of passion. He helped really bring Herod alive. Um, and, and again, you know, you're looking at this villain. And one thing I do love about these projects, 
you know, you, you get a chance to see it. It's one thing to imagine it and read it and know that it happened in scripture, but to see an interpretation of it on screen, um, he said that Antonio did an amazing job of bringing that about um, and and helping bring that villainous, but also some comedy uh, to the to the show as well. And so the film, again, it's in theaters right now. It's Journey to Bethlehem. We've heard it described um, by somebody else as like high school musical meets the nativity story. So, yeah, that's what it seems like. There you go. I think that's kind of, and that's kind of fun. So I can imagine, um, I can imagine, you know, people being intrigued by it. It, I'm always looking for new ways, Billy, to, um, to have the conversation about the birth of Jesus. Not everybody is going to do an Advent devotional and not everybody is going to be attracted to maybe some of the classic films, um, related to, you know, the Christmas story. And so I just appreciate that artists are still pouring themselves into the story and finding new ways to share it with emerging generations. I think that's very positive. I think so too. And one thing I will say, you know, that Rich said to me, and I hadn't, I had never thought of this and I don't know why he was like, Hey, you know, we, we know that Joseph's reaction, we know what that was when he heard about Mary, but what was Joseph's mom's reaction? What was Joseph's dad's reaction? What could Mary's parents have thought about this? That those were things they wanted to take into account. And again, you know, we're not told those things in scripture, but trying to imagine what that would be like, because this is real life. It really happened. And you think about that and it just opens your eyes to all the possibilities of what, how awkward and difficult um, and then amazing these conversations probably were. So good. So good. Hey, Billy, as always, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, that's Billy Hollowell. Um, CBN News is uh, is who he works for. Faithwire.com is where we drew today's stories from. So check that out, faithwire.com. So have I ever told you about the time that I spoke at an event for um, a comfort dog ministry? So it was their annual conference. I remember that it was held in Chicago. And there were something like 100 dogs in the room and 500 people. So first of all, it's a really unique setting. My assigned topic was to talk about how Christ calls us to be with him. So with me, with me is one of the commands that these, um, that these dogs all know. And if you th- just think about that for a moment, just imagine that Christ is calling you constantly to be with me, with me. Like, like what does that look like in your life? So that's what I talked about. So in much the same way that, um, a, a person with a faithful therapy dog expects the dog to respond to this particular command with me and lots of other commands, like God expects us to respond to his commands and to do so in obedience. So anyway, the dogs in the room were highly trained professionals. They knew actually lots and lots of um, of commands. And so they had given me a list of commands not to say because the dogs would respond. And I don't know. Can you just imagine what it was like to tell me not to say something? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So um, after we have a conversation with Larry Randolph, I'll give you the rest of the story about my experience of being told not to give a group of dogs uh, a particular command. Uh, Larry Randolph is going to join us. We're going to talk about finding grace. Larry is actually the founder and president of Canines for Christ Therapy Dog Ministry, and he's going to... Um, Join us next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. (music) 
Little shout out to Kathy's therapy dog, Dylan, who is listening right now, according to the text line. So you can text in as well, 877-933-2484. You know, I I, I love to know that our furry friends are listening alongside their human companions. So uh, joining us right now for what I anticipate is going to be a delightful conversation, Larry Randolph is here. Among other things, he's the author of Finding Grace. Larry, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning, Carmen. Good morning. Nice to be here. Good morning. It's wonderful to have you. So uh, this is really a book about living a life fully surrendered to God. Um, It feels like you learned to expect the unexpected and press into the opportunities that God put in front of you. Let's um, Let's start with your love of dogs. Could we do that? Who was your very first dog in your life? When, when and who was that? <laughs> well, when I was about four years old, my mother surprised me with a little Boston Bulldog. And guess what the dog's name was? Boy. I couldn't, <laughs> that was a, uh, you know, a, that was the first name that came up, a boy dog. So we called him Boy. And that was my first experience with a little dog, a little puppy. And I uh, love that little guy, and uh, that started the experience of my dogs over my life. And basically, uh, I've had many dogs uh, over the course of my existence and here on this earth, and all of them have been a blessing, I can tell you. And uh, But there's always one dog, Carmen, as you probably know, because uh, I heard you had three dogs or more, but uh, that's a heart dog. That's the dog mm-hmm. that really kind of bonds with your heart. And uh, I found one, uh, God found one for me, and her name was Gracie. And uh, this book, Finding Grace, is uh, about dogs and therapy dogs, but it's also about a specific dog and the amazing mission that she had on this earth that God gave her at a specific time in my life where uh, I needed that and that the world needed it. And so it's a beautiful story if if people can read the book. Yeah, so the book is Finding Grace, and it's it's a dog story. It's an inspiring true story of therapy dogs bringing comfort, hope, and love to a hurting world. So we want to direct you as well to K9, that's the letter K, K9forChrist.org, where you can find more information um, about the ministry and also uh, easy, easy place to to connect for the book. So Canines for Christ Therapy Dog Ministry is the ministry you're engaged in. Um, talk about, uh, you know what, can we talk about Gus, the Basset Hound, before we talk about Grace? Yeah, certainly. Uh, well, Gus uh, came along at a time, you know, it's interesting how God puts vessels in your path that can, particularly at times when you're really having struggles, uh, you know, depressing, depressive times or, or or challenging times in your life. And this was a time when I really needed uh, God's uh, vessel to come and, and give me some encouragement and uplifting. And uh, Gus was that, that vessel. Uh, I had gone through a, a severe uh, business uh, collapse and a uh, a uh, marriage uh, was failing and uh, things were not going well. And uh, at, in the middle of all this, my two daughters and my wife uh, at that time uh, brought a little basset hound into the house. He was about, oh, I guess he was about maybe 11, 12 pounds uh, with big floppy ears and a huge feet and just as goofy looking as ever and plopped him in my lap and said, here's Gus. We want to bring you some joy and, and, uh, and love in your life right now. And you don't seem very happy. And sure enough, Gus 
brought that to me. And it mm. was a perfect time for me because I needed I needed that. I needed uh, a little guy to talk to. I needed uh, I needed him to hug when I was feeling sad and lonely and depressed. And uh, and uh, but God brought that to me. And uh, and I believe that uh, through the course of what happened after that with therapy dogs, Gus was the catalyst to that. He was the instrument that God threw that in my mind about therapy dogs because a few years later I had an opportunity to to briefly introduce Gus to therapy dog work and uh, uh, and that's kind of like put the thought in my mind. I believe Jesus uh, gave me that privilege of being able to do that. Uh, and it's amazing how God works. It is. It's through. He never uh, does anything that's not purposeful in your life, mm -hmm. but you have to listen to that. You have to be obedient and faithful and, and give him the glory because it's all, he does that for a purpose, to grow you and to build that relationship with you. And I believe that uh, this dog, Gus, was a perfect vessel at that particular time in my life to help me grow in my faith. We're talking with Larry Randolph. He's the founder and president of Canines for Christ Therapy Dog Ministry. We're talking today about Larry's latest book, Finding Grace. Grace, as you might imagine, is a dog, a therapy dog. But um, this this idea of listening and learning to listen and then responding in obedience. Tell us about the morning that you you heard the words therapy dogs. You didn't even have a dog at the time. So talk with us about this prayer, this prayer experience, um, and then your obedient response. Well, that's a it's a, a pretty cool story. Uh, I, I like I said earlier, I had dogs all my life, and uh, my wife and I were dogless then. I had two Yorkies, uh, and they had both passed away a year or so earlier. Uh, and so my wife and I were dogless. You know, when you ro roam around the house and there's no dog, it's kind of lonely. It's kind of, you know, you're different. So, but we didn't have a dog. We were busy in my career and, uh, you know, with grandchildren and all, all kinds of things that were going on. And so we didn't have a dog at that time. And so, but I, most of my adult life had done a, gotten up early like I am now and get a, done a devotion in the morning, read, pray and study and uh, give God my uh, hour, hour and a half of time before I started doing my day. And at that time in the morning, uh, God did something to me. Uh, and he, you know, your mind runs like a theater. There's all kinds of screens in it. And it's the screens going all the time. But I, I was reading a scripture, uh, Proverbs 3, verse 5 through 7. That's trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding and, you know, acknowledge God and he will direct your paths at that time. And it seems like my mind just completely went blank. As I read that scripture, I surrendered to God and he put a thought in my mind, what I call a whisper, the soft whisper. He said, therapy dogs, therapy dogs. You know, you have to listen to God. And you, when you listen to him, you have to surrender your mind to him because your mind goes in different directions. But when you listen to him, he can speak very clearly to you. And he did on that morning. And he said, therapy dogs, do something with therapy dogs. Bring my love to people using therapy dogs. And so <laughs> I said, God, you, you're talking to me about therapy dogs. But, you know, I don't have a dog. That's just going to be. He said, I didn't ask you if you had a dog. I asked if you would obey me. And mm. so uh, 
I said, I'll trust you, Lord. I, I'm going to do this, but I need you to guide me through this because I have no idea how to get this started and get it rolling. And first of all, I don't have a dog. So he said, we'll find you a dog. So what happened was uh, uh, my dear wife came, uh, got up, and I told her about it. And she looked at me like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk about this. So, you know, you uh, we talked about it, and, and she was on board. She said, well, if God spoke to you, I trust you and I trust God. Let's let's go forward. So we uh, we decided to ask our daughter. She had a dog, a golden retriever, a, a six year old golden, beautiful, friendly, sweet dog. And so we said, can we borrow Cody and use him uh, and try to get this ministry started using him? So wasn't trained in any manner. He was just a good, friendly house dog. And so we started with Cody, one dog at a time, and then it started growing and it started multiplying and people started hearing about it. God started touching people and his powerful love started reaching out in places that I've never even imagined I would ever go in my life. Uh, the darkest of hospital rooms, the veterans that have that was coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan that had burns all over their bodies and legs gone and arms and we were touching them with with uh, uh these this beautiful dog and other dogs that we had and with the ministry started growing and multiplying and uh, and god was just using us in this great way and uh eventually uh you know i left my career uh, as a real estate person and uh, god put this in my heart to to do ministry full-time and uh now he's grown the ministry from no dog carmen to uh, well over a thousand dogs in uh, uh, 38 states throughout the country and a few foreign countries, uh, and it's been an amazing journey of uh, seeing yes, how God. Well, they're checking in. I'm just letting you know they're checking in from across the country. We've got the Suncoast Comfort Canines for Christ checking in right now from a page called Therapy Dog Goose, uh, and yes. so. These buddies, uh, Brady, Gracie Mae, Maggie, Thor, and their poodle pals all wanted to say good morning to you from Sarasota, Florida. So thank you, Fran, for passing that along on the text line. Um, thank you as well um, to our friends in the 952 area code, which off the top of my head, that's got to be the Twin Cities. Yeah. Um, so uh, here we got Solo. Um, oh, my goodness. So cute. I just want to hug him. He is a giant black um, Labrador re retriever. Um, they say we trained him for the first 18 months of his life, and he now works at a hospital in Kentucky. So good morning um, to those of you checking in with your therapy dogs. Thank you for those of you who sent pictures of your therapy dogs as well. Um, Kathy says, um, you know, Dylan is my therapy dog, and I love him so much. Uh, so we're going to continue our conversation here with Larry Randolph in just a moment. And yes, we are going to arrive at the actual moment of finding grace because we haven't even talked about Grace yet. And uh, and she is the centerpiece of uh, of the ministry and of the book we're talking about today, which bears her name, Finding Grace. Oh my goodness, here is Marble, training him until February, until he goes to his advanced training in Ohio. All right, I love you guys. I love that you have dogs. I love that the dogs are listening. We're talking about Canines for Christ Therapy Dog Ministry, which you can find at K9, the letter K, the number nine, K9forChrist.org. We're talking with Larry Randolph. The book is Finding Grace. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen, and we'll be right back. As we consider the life of Jesus and the life of the first generation of Christians, 
reading here the book of Acts and all the letters to the Christians in the New Testament, we see people who like wake up. They come to see and understand and then receive Jesus as their Savior and Lord. And it changes everything. We see Christians then telling other people about the good news and inviting them to respond in repentance, be baptized, and follow Jesus. The movement of Christianity grows person by person and then exponentially as people walking in darkness receive the light of Christ and want others to know what they know and have what they have. Well, you and I are living in dark days. People need light. And Jesus is the light of the world today in the same way that he was the light of the world at the beginning of creation and at the first Christmas and throughout his life on earth and in his radiance now at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is the light of the world. So if you're walking in darkness of any kind today, I invite you to consider Jesus. If you'd like to know more about what it means to begin a relationship with Christ or to chat with someone about it, just text the word FAITH to 41224. All right, Dylan just checked in with a picture of, uh, well, I don't think it's a selfie, but uh, he's super cutie and he's visiting right now what looks to be um, a medical facility. He's in the waiting room right now. So if you are in that waiting room with Dylan, he is there to love on you. And uh, and Kathy, his human, his human person, uh, his human helper is there as well. So this is uh, so great. Larry Randolph is with us today. The book is Finding Grace. Uh, and it is a wonderful story about um, a canine, a therapy dog. Um, you also want to check out Canines for Christ Therapy Dog Ministry. All right, Larry, with a big drum roll, the book is Finding mm-hmm. Grace. So who is Grace and who found who? Grace, uh, well, <laughs> that was a good story, too, because I was uh, in a hospital and uh, with another dog, Cody, our first dog, first therapy dog, and again, and uh, somebody came out and said, I love what you're doing. And I know a breeder that owns uh, white Labrador retrievers, English labs. And uh, I think she would be a Christian. You'll be lady would love to baby donate one to your ministry. So she, uh, we ended up uh, getting uh, Gracie was donated to us uh, through a Christian breeder in Florida. And uh, 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 she was about eight pounds when we got her. And it was, uh, she grew to about, uh, about 85 pounds as her adult life. And uh, she was an amazing animal. She was uh, uh, the most gentle, what I call the queen-like demeanor. She was friendly, sweet, gentle, and you just wanted to gravitate to her. It was like come, people like just went to her. It was a beautiful touch because that's what I that's what I needed at that time to start a ministry and grow a ministry with a dog. She was the foundation dog. She was the matriarch of the ministry. Every picture of the 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 logos that we have, her character of her face is on those logos. And she was the one that started everybody and kind of was the leader for the pack of the thousands of dogs that we've had since then. So God put her in this, and there's so many stories in this book, Carmen, about how God used that dog to open the door for me to share God's message of love and hope and kindness to people. And, uh, and, you know, we, my pastor, when I went in to talk to my pastor about, you know, how to start the ministry and get his, his advice, he said, you know what, why don't you call these dogs Jesus with fur? 
because you know what? <laughs> they have unconditional love. They don't have any prejudice about people or race or or political affiliations or any of that stuff. They just love you. And so, and that's the truth. And so everybody knows that's calling in how their dogs love people if they they bring them out to visit with uh, the community. So Jesus with fur and Gracie was just like that. She was a, a God-given dog that I believe he put on this earth to, to serve people in that capacity. And over the years, Thousands and thousands of people were touched by her and in many different places all over. And it was a journey of just seeing how every day I would go out and where we where is she where are we gonna go and how is she gonna open up a door for me to pray with people or or share God's testimony of love and hope to uh people that really needed it at that time. So Finding Grace is a uh a true story. It's uh it's uh it's been the number one release on Amazon in certain categories and it's got five star reviews, uh touches so many people that have read it have found themselves in the book. Uh it, you can cry and you can laugh and you can just see God's powerful message in there. Uh, using these beautiful dogs and how uh, God works through these dogs in people's lives, Carmen, and you know that. So uh, I encourage people to get it and uh, send me a, a note saying you enjoyed it and uh, what you think about it. But uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great opportunity for Christmas gifts. If people wanted to get a book and a lot of people have bought them and then they've got another one or two or three they've gotten to, uh, to give the Christmas gifts to their family and friends. So it's a short read. It's only about 276 pages, but the people can read it in a few, two or three hours if they'd like and uh, and just to see how God is working through this amazing ministry and through these amazing dogs. It's very, it's just wonderful. Larry, thank you so much. Thank you for sharing uh, Grace with us today. Thank you for sharing the story of Finding Grace. The ministry is Canines for Christ Therapy dog ministry. You can find it at K9. That's the letter K and the number nine, K9forchrist.org. Um, all right. So Maverick is a 150-pound Great Dane. He is now the hero dog of 2023. If you haven't yet heard about Maverick, you could sort of survey what's happening out there in the headline news today. Um, he is a therapy dog as well. I love these stories that you guys are sending in about therapy dogs you know and therapy dogs um, that you have been blessed by over the course of time. I really appreciate that. I want to give you quickly the rest of the story that I started out with um, when I had the opportunity to speak at an event um, where there were therapy dogs and their human companions. Uh, and they told me that there were like this list of things I couldn't say. You can't give the commands, right? Sit, down, stay, wait, quiet. Those were not hard. That's not even tempting for me. Those were things the dogs in the room, a hundred of them, were already doing. Um, and then there's, you know, other things on the list, off, drop it, leave it, take it, no, bed. These these were also, these were not tempting to me. Then there were the commands that um, the dogs in the room were waiting to hear, right? Like, come. <laughs> uh, I was so tempted to... Uh, to give these commands, lap, because then, you know, they would have all like jumped up into the laps of their people or speak. How fun would that have been if I had said speak and a hundred dogs all at once and started, you know, speaking or how about shake where, you know, they very obediently put their paw in your lap. But there was one, there was one, one command I was warned against because they told me it would be the chaos maker, the big no, no. Now, I just want you to imagine giving me that instruction before giving a talk to a group of people. 
Carmen, here's the one thing you may not say. This is the no-no word. Do not say play. <laughs> In the end, of course, I did resist. But I did say lots of their names. And then the one command that I had been um, given permission to give at the end of the talk, and that command was belly. Every dog went immediately, as if in unison, from these perfect, perfect postures to rolling over onto their backs. And all of their people then went down from their chairs to their knees, you know, to give the requisite rub. So there you go. Dog stories. Don't they make you happy? I know. They make me happy, too. Um, all right. Uh, I don't know. We got, we got more than dog stories. We got another hour up next. But, you know, in the meantime, you know, go, go play. Go play. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.